cool. Um, I, uh, texts for the year. Sometimes churches have a text for the year. And um, I thought to myself, I was reading this morning my Bible, and I was looking at 2022s. So if you look up a 2022, find different 20, chapter 20, verse 22. And I come across John 20, 22. And I thought, you know what? If we were going to do a text for the year, then John 20, 22 would be absolutely awesome. Do you know what it says? Shall I read it to you? It says this, John 20, 22. It says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. How about that for a text for a year? Come on, that we were a people who were aware of the breath of God breathing on us and filling us with the Holy Spirit. I love the fact that it says here, receive the Holy Spirit. So the invitation is you you can receive this. You've got to take it. It's not going to be forced on you. It says receive. Are you up for receiving more of Holy Spirit this year? John 2022. Let's let I'll just put that down. Maybe that's my New Year's resolution. I want more Holy Spirit in my life than I've ever had ever before. That would be quite a good uh, resolution. Right. Up on the screen, we have got two very familiar, if I can get my iPad to put it the right way round. Let's go, go that way. No, we're all staying together because we're going to whip through this and then come to communion. Is that right, love? Good. <laughs> it's good having a wife keeping an eye on you. Okay, we're going to fly through this really quickly because we're going to run into communion. We're all staying together today. Uh, two films. Does anybody know uh, these two films or have seen these two films? Have you seen any of these films? Which one have you seen? You've seen Wizard of Oz? Seen them both? Seen them both? Which one have you seen? The Wizard of Oz. Anybody else? Has anybody seen The King and I? Yeah? Okay. What's the song? Well, because you've got the title up there of what I'm going to talk about. What's the song that comes to mind with King and I? Do you, do you know one of the, any of the songs from King and I? No, it's not that one. It is in there though, isn't it? Shall we dance? It's the only one you know. Okay. Anybody else got any idea of another song from King and I? This is going to fall flat if you don't. Do you know that song? So you've got, who, who plays the governess? I'm sure it was Julie Andrews. Is it really? Can somebody just Google that? Because I'm feeling now deflated. Julie Andrews was the governess in Sound of Music. Of course. Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought she was in The King and I. There you go. Anyway, um, she gathers the children, loads of children around, and she sings that song. Does anybody know how it goes? (laughs) Do you know, one of the things that I I thought was quite interesting, really, is I looked up the lyrics, and I mean, this is um, Rodgers in Hammerstein, isn't it? Is Is the musical. I must say... I must say, when we talk about modern lyrics in modern songs being a little bit trite, getting to know you, getting to know all about you, getting to like you, getting to hope you like me, 
getting to know you, putting it in my way, but nicely, you are precisely my cup of tea. Cracking lyrics. But I, I like the fact, just as Roger, getting to know you, getting to know all about you. I could do that. I could do that. Okay, what's the song? One of the songs that's going to follow us and help us today from Wizard of Oz. Follow the yellow brick road. And say again. Was that Luke filling us in there? Well done, Luke. Okay, can we do this one? Ready? <gasps> follow the yellow brick road. I've got the words. Follow, 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 follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. So the munchkins, so the munchkins, who very similar to, to Rog, so the munchkins set Dorothy on her little trip to follow the yellow brick road. And follow the yellow brick road goes into the next song, which is we're off to see the wizard, isn't it? And I love some of the things that it says about the wizard. So we're off to see the wizard, the wonderful Wizard of Oz. You'll find he is a wizard of a whiz, if ever a whiz there was. If ever a, ever a whiz there was, the Wizard of Oz is one because, 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 because of the wonderful things he does. We're off to see. So what I want to do with us this year as we start today, but I want to look at specifically what are we doing about following Jesus? A disciple is a follower. Now what happens is that we come to a point, I think, where we get to know Jesus, but in knowing him, we don't follow him. We think just getting to know him is enough, yet getting to know you as that lady sings in the King of I, is only the start of things. Because when the kids all gather around and she's singing, her desire is that they would follow her, that they would do the things that she teaches them. Just like the munchkins sending Dorothy off on her journey where she meets the uh, scarecrow and the lion and the tin man on this journey to go and follow. What are you following? You've got to follow the yellow brick road. But we're called to be followers of Christ. And that's what we want to do with our discipleship journey this year, to know him and to follow him. Not just know him, but to actually follow him. And the key th thing about this is, is that we've got to know who we're following. So the, qu the question starts with, who is this person that we're being called to follow? And the person that we're being called to follow is Jesus. And I've got to say this and reiterate this. He is an actual person. Okay? He's not a, a figment of our imagination. He's not a historical figure. He wasn't around and is no longer with us. He is able to be related to right here, right now, today. He can be trusted. He can be spoken to. You can listen to him. He's not a concept. He's not an ideal. He is not a force. And growing in Christ is all about building on a relationship. So what's he like? I think one of the things that we find out about Jesus really quickly is that he is phenomenal. When 
Paul writes about Jesus. He says this in Ephesians 8. He says uh, 3, verse 8. To me, who am I less than the least of all the saints, his grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Therefore, when we start the journey, we start. And then we've got to continue on. And the journey doesn't end until we find ourselves face to face with the one who called us, has saved us, who loves us. The unsearchable riches of Christ. When we read those words, the unsearchable riches of Christ, what it says is when you think you've dug to the depth, the farthest you can go, there's more. There is always more. The unsearchable riches. And for us, what we've got to recognize is that, well, let me just talk about myself, and then you can see whether this relates to you. Um, I find myself going, that'll do. This is where I'm at. This is the knowledge, the understanding that I have. This is as far as I've followed, and this is, this is where I'm comfortable. And what happens is, and this is how I jolt myself and challenge myself, is that that's not good enough. We're not meant to stay. Stability in our relationship with Christ is not an option. The thing about it is, we're meant to be on an adventure. We're meant to be on like a roller coaster ride of highs and lows of our life, recognizing who Jesus is and how he's coming alongside us to empower us, to help us, to resource us, to help others who are also on their roller coaster ride of life. And when we think that we've got Jesus absolutely sorted, then he'll turn and say, well, there's a facet here you haven't seen before. There's, um, I think it's in Prince Caspian. There is a quote from Lucy, and she's talking to Aslan. And the quote goes something like this. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember. She says, as I get older, you get bigger. Is that right? Have we heard that one? Lucy is saying of Aslan, the lion, as I get older, you get bigger. One of the beautiful things that I found as I've been studying, and I'm on this MA journey, studying at this moment in time, and what I found is I'm reading things and discovering things about Jesus that I've never discovered before. I'm reading people who are writing about him who I would never have read before if I wasn't studying. But the great thing about it is, as I'm getting older, he's just getting bigger. And you think that you would find yourself under theological teachers who make Jesus smaller. But actually, what I'm finding is more and more, he's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's how it should be for each and every one of us as we journey with Christ. The cool thing about it is that his desire is to journey with us. I just want to pick up a few aspects of the character or, or the, the characteristics of Christ as I know, as I've just spent some time flicking through the scriptures, that I think are really important for us to know if we are to grow. And I think not knowing some of these things have been the limitation of us growing in our relationship with Jesus. First thing I want to pick up on is the fact that uh, Jesus is, 
There we go. He's ruling. Jesus is ruling. He is exercising supreme authority. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're not hoping that one day he will be in charge. He is in charge. And as much as we feel sometimes that things are not going the way that we would like them to go, we've got to recognize that Scripture says again and again that he is our sovereign. He is Lord of all. Our perception of his leadership may wobble, but the reality of the fact that he is leading is a fact. He is leading. His rule holds steady. His rule is supreme. His rule is strong. It's uh, exhaustive. It's all-seeing. Nothing happens without his knowledge. You know, when, when uh, leaders get together and discuss the plans of the future of the nations, every time they gather, you've got to realize that they gather in the palms of God's hands because he is part of it all. This is what it says in Matthew uh, chapter 28. Jesus came and spoke to them, says, All authority has been given to me and heaven and earth. He's got all the authority. He's got it. And one of the great things about us that we need to learn and, and as we journey in our relationship with God is that he is ruling. He is in control. This is what it says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Are you doing it for me, Mark? You're not. I'm still doing it. I'm in control. <laughs> Ruling. This one here. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsel of our hearts. As a ruler, he is involved in everything knows and knows everything. There's nothing that we do in secret. There's nothing that happens in the dark that he is not aware of. And it talks here, Paul talks here in 1 Corinthians about the fact that revealed to him is the very counsel of our hearts. Now, there's a few other attributes I'm going to talk about in a moment that doesn't make this feel scary. But we need to know that he is in everything he is over everything that... Well, this is what it says in Colossians. It says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Do you know, if you take Jesus out, everything falls apart. That's how it looks. If you take Jesus out, everything falls apart. And the truth of the matter is, there'll be a point in time when the passage from Philippians becomes a reality as well. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus rules. That's an important thing to take on board as we grow in our relationship with God. That he is in control. Another thing I want to pick up on is the fact that he saves. I don't know if you've ever thought about the fact that Jesus saves. It seems to be something that uh, would be obvious to us. But the thing about it is, so often people have this idea that Jesus wants to come alongside. He wants to be our, our helper, our support. But one thing that we need to take on board is the clarity of God's mission in sending Jesus. 
This is what it says in uh, Ephesians. We have this that, uh, here we go, but because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Saving is what Jesus does. There's a recognition that without him, we are lost. The Bible says here that we are dead in our transgressions. So we don't need somebody who's going to help us. We want somebody who's going to resurrect us. And that's what Jesus does. He is our saviour. When you uh, read in Luke chapter 19, there's the story of Zacchaeus. And the story of Zacchaeus, the, the, the final comment of Jesus in, uh, in Zacchaeus's house is the fact that the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. And that's still his mandate. His desire is to not only comfort and support and empower and guide, but also to save. Because without a saviour, we are lost. He pursues us. He saves us. He takes us from a place of death and brings us to a place of true life. That's what he does. We need to be aware that God is in the business of saving and continuing to save. And that there are those people around us in our families, in our neighborhoods, our work colleagues, those at school with us, who are yet to know Jesus as their savior. And they need to be saved. As well as saving there's, oh, I love this one. This, this, this whole understanding that uh, he also befriends. These words of John 15, 15, it says there, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. He's your friend. We sing that song, don't we? What a friend we have in Jesus. He is your friend. Does anybody have a, a best friend? Put your hand up if you've got a best friend. You've got a best friend? Got a best friend? A lot of us adults here haven't got best friends. I'm open for friendship. You know, I'm, I will take on board if anybody wants to be my friend. It's good to have a good friend. He is the lion and the lamb. He is the one who is far, but he's also near. He is great and he's good. He's the, the king and he's our friend. Whatever you would see as a characteristic of your bestie, and that's a word, isn't it, now that we see a lot of bestie, your bestie. Jesus should be your bestie. He comes alongside he carries your load. He listens. He's available. A, sh a friend shares your deepest heart. You have fair weather friends, those people who hang around when things are great, but you don't want a fair weather friend, and Jesus isn't a fair weather friend. He sticks with us through thick and thin. And the thing about friendship as well, you can't force friendship upon people. I've tried to be friends with people who didn't really want to be friends. They, yeah, it's okay, acquaintances, and spend a bit of time. But I always think of a friend as somebody who gives you a call or pops in, unannounced, you know, just turns up. 
Is that the sort of friend that you've got? Have you got a friend like that? Jesus just turns up. I've heard him speak to me at times where I'm thinking, oh, I didn't expect you to be here, Lord. But there he is. No one's beyond his friendship either. He is for you. He is with you. He was even accused, wasn't he, of being a friend of sinners. I mean, people are using that as a derogatory term, but the reality is that Jesus took that as a, a badge of honor. Now, the thing that we need to take on board as we grow in our relationship with Christ is the fact that uh, he wants to be your friend. And he's the best friend that you can have. He's not put off by the struggles that you have and the issues that you're dealing with. He wants to be your friend. There's another characteristic here that I love about Jesus is the fact that uh, he's persevering. He doesn't hold back. This word's here from John 13. It was just before the Passover meal. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world to go on to his father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I love that, the fact that Jesus just doesn't give up. He keeps on keeping on. I don't know whether you know people who are a little bit fickle, you know, run hot and cold. That's not Jesus. He, he doesn't have um, good days and bad days, highs and lows. There's that constant pursuing because he's a God who perseveres. He's our steadfast friend. Like Jesus binds himself to us. There's no expiration date on Jesus. There's no end of the road. There's no... Uh, sense that if our side of the commitment wanes, so does his. It doesn't. He is constant. He is persevering. And it's one of those things when sometimes uh, we find that our, our relationship with Jesus can be a little bit hit and miss if we have that um, daisy petal relationship with God. And we're often thinking, does he love me? He loves me not. Does he love me? He loves me not. He loves me. Do something good. Things are okay. Go to church. He loves me. Uh, miss church. Have a bit of a, a, a moan about my neighbor. I don't know the things that happen in your life. I'm just talking about myself here. He loves me. Oh, he loves me not. I've, I've let him down. He loves me. But that's not where Jesus is. He is persevering. It's always, I love you. I don't know if you know in the uh, uh, quiz show, the, who wants to be a millionaire? The, the host asks the question, is that your final answer? And when the person says final answer, then their answer lights up. The final answer always from Jesus is, I love you. Is that your final answer? I love you. But I've done this. But I love you. He perseveres. And I love the fact that it says here in, in John, uh, Romans 5, 8, that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So whilst we were sinners, Christ died for us. So let's, let's take on board the fact that we have given, been given the invitation to come into relationship with Jesus through his death on the cross. He's taken our sin away. So I am now a follower of Christ. I am a Christian. I've acknowledged my sin. 
I've had that forgiven by Jesus, my Savior, and I've asked him to be Lord of my life, and now I'm going to walk in my relationship with him. Listen to this. It says that whilst we were sinners, Christ died for us. He's not going to stop loving you when you are his. No matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter what you think, no matter what you say, he doesn't stop loving you. We are no longer sinners, those who have come to Christ. We are saints who sin. That's how things have changed. Because Jesus perseveres. And the reason why he perseveres is because we've got backing. The backing that we've got from him is the fact that he intercedes. He intercedes. You see, what happens is we think about Jesus and his life. This is his timeline. It's birth, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and then his ascension. He's back in heaven. But there's more to it. So you add the next line, which is the fact that intercession kicks in. And the Bible tells us in Romans 8.34 is that he is now at the right hand of the Father or God and is interceding for us. He's persevering. He's not letting us go. But he's in, in his perseverance, he is also interceding and praying for you and me as we walk through our journey of becoming more like Christ. He's interceding. Jesus prays. He prays that you would have the strength day by day to walk in step with him. Not only would you have the strength, but you would know the strength that he is for you and he is with you. And his intercession relates directly to the past work that he's done. So he died for you and for me. And his intercession, always before the Father, as he's praying for us, that the reality of who we are in Christ would become our reality and lived out the way that we live day by day. Just to know that we grow in our relationship with Christ, not in our own strength and our own power, but because he himself is interceding. He's praying for us. That helps us with our discipleship, our journey of understanding what it means to follow Christ because not only are we following him, but we are also being backed up by his prayers. I think that's awesome. Some two last things that I want to say before we move to some worship and then around the Lord's table. Just to remember, we haven't got all of the time in the world. Now we think that time's never going to run out. Here we are, we start a new year. Well, we've just done a year, and now we're starting a new year. But in the last year, there's been sadness, there's been loss. We've started a new year for some without loved ones that were with us. I lost my dad last year. Only went in for a basic, standard kidney stone removal, and he didn't make it out wasn't our plan. So we start a new year and things are different. They're different for us. 
We think we've got all the time, but sometimes time runs out. And one of the things that it's good to remember is that Jesus is coming back. You know, there is going to be a second coming. The promise in the scriptures is the fact that he will return. 2 Thessalonians 1.7 Give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. I love that. Are there any weak angels? Powerful angels. Book of Revelation, John... uh, the beloved talks about the mighty angel. Oh, I love that. Powerful angel. There's going to be a time when Jesus returns. Book of Acts chapter 17 says that there is a fixed time. Book of Matthew in chapter 24 reminds us that only God knows that time, which is great. I'm glad he is the only one who knows that time. But Jesus is coming back. And therefore, the call for each and every one of us is to be ready. And our growth as a disciple is relative to our awareness of the fact that Jesus is coming back. He will return. And when he returns, he takes his to be with him. Again, one of those challenges for each and every one of us with regard to do those that we love know the Jesus who we follow. Our growth as disciples intensifies as we are mindful that we don't have all the time in the world. And the last point I just want to say today, when we think about how we're going to grow in Christ, let's take these things on board, is this interesting word. I've taken on with the word tender. It seems to sum up what Matthew 11:29 says. And, and if somebody was to ask you, could you describe yourself in seven words? It's difficult, you know. Whenever you have one of those uh, meetings where uh, everybody's meant to introduce yourself, these are um, sort of icebreakers. We get to know each other a little bit better. Tell me something about yourself. Tell me where you went on holiday last year. Tell me something, of, um, your favorite food or your, your pet's name or whatever. When it came down to Jesus, give us uh, an oversight of who you are. This is what he said. He says, I am gentle and humble in heart. Isn't that awesome? Didn't talk about there, about uh, being the mighty God, the savior of the world, the one who's sustaining all things by his word. Didn't talk about that. He says, this is, I am gentle and I'm humble in heart. Heart being the very core, the center of uh, your very being. That's the biblical understanding of heart. So at the very core, if you drill down to the very depths of who Jesus is, the scriptures remind us that he is gentle and humble at heart. And it's his gentleness and his humility that draws us. The scripture talks about, you know, it's his loving kindness that draws us. And when we gather in a few moments around the Lord's table, know that you are gently, humbly being invited to take part in this meal. His loving kindness draws you because he is our tender saviour. Infinite strength, but also infinite meekness. Just a few words 
as we journey together over these coming weeks, revealing again to us the importance of not only knowing Christ, but following. And these are a few of the steps, I believe, that we need to look into to know that we are encouraged in our following, that we know that he is our ruler, that he is our saviour, that he is our friend, that he pursues us, persevering, that he prays, intercedes, but that he is also a saviour who's returning and returning to show us again his humility, his kindness, his gentleness.